0: So Dean, I'm gonna start with a very basic question that a lot of people have on their mind right now. Do you think that we are heading towards a recession?
1: Well, I, I've been an optimist on this, but a little less optimistic in the last couple of days.
0: Dean Baker is an economist at the Center for Economic and Policy Research. And we wanted to talk to him today because lately, the news about the economy has been getting a little scary.
2: A lot of people are now thinking recession.
0: We're going to see the biggest squeeze on household incomes we expect since records uh, began.
2: Wage inflation running at a close to 6% rate. and. The tightest labor markets we've ever seen in our country and that suggests that unfortunately it now looks like a recession is right around the corner
1: it's important to understand recessions don't just happen. Every recession we've had since World War II has either been brought about by the Federal Reserve Board raising interest rates and going too far. or Alternatively, by a collapse of an uh, asset bubble, which was uh, the housing bubble, of course, in 2008, 2009, and then the stock bubble in 2001. We don't have an asset bubble that's about to burst. So I'm not worried about that. So the real question is, is the Fed going to go too far?
0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Maggie Penman, in for Martine Powers. It's Monday, June 13th. Today, we ask liberal economist Dean Baker the big question about the economy right now. Are we heading towards a recession? And if so, what do we regular people do to prepare?
1: Technically, a recession is defined as two-quarters negative growth. That's basically the conventional view. But what we're really talking about is a big rise in the unemployment rate. I mean, that's why people care about a recession. we're worried is that the unemployment rate could rise and possibly rise a lot. So we've been very fortunate. We have a 3.6% unemployment rate. It came down very rapidly following the pandemic recession. But when the Fed starts raising rates, that is gonna raise the unemployment rate. If it just raises a little bit, maybe that's not that big a deal, but if we go back, people keep referring to the uh, Paul Volcker years when Volcker raised rates, uh, they peaked at 20%, and that pushed the unemployment rate into the double digits. So that's the sort of story that I think I and most people are very fearful of. So raising rates somewhat to slow the economy, to my view, that's necessary, appropriate. But raising rates enough to give us uh, the sort of recession we had at the start of the 1980s, that would be really bad news.
0: And I wonder if you could sort of break down what you're describing here, which is that when there is high inflation, the Fed might raise interest rates in response to that to sort of cool off the economy that can then lead to a recession. Can you just explain sort of like the the mechanisms by which that happens
1: Yeah. So when the Fed is raising interest rates, it is trying to slow the economy. And the question is, how much do they slow it? How fast? How far?
2: So there should be room in principle to reduce that surplus demand without without putting people out of work. The issue will come that we don't we don't have precision surgical tools. We have essentially interest rates, the balance sheet and forward guidance. And they're, you know, they're famously blunt tools. They're not capable of surgical precision so
1: and the way that the problem here is that its impact on the economy is indirect and it can never be that certain about how much impact it's having and also how quickly what they're raising is an overnight money rate that none of us see that's what banks pay each other it's not worth going through the details of how that impacts the economy but the basic story is that when they raise their short-term rate it affects the longer-term rates that we see when we go to take out a mortgage, when we go to take out a home equity loan, when we go to take out a car loan. And by making those rates higher, what that means if mortgage rates are higher, people are less likely to buy a home. Um, It will also affect home building. So the impact on the economy, if people are buying fewer homes, there are fewer jobs uh, selling real estate, fewer jobs issuing mortgages, fewer jobs in the construction industry building homes. So the idea is that when the Fed's raising rates, they're slowing the economy through a number of channels. But again, the problem that the Fed has is it's hard for them to know exactly how much they're going to slow it with a given interest rate hike and also how long.
0: Yeah. And maybe it's worth talking a little bit more about why the Fed is raising interest rates right now. Obviously, we have seen very high inflation. How bad is the inflation that we're seeing right now and how big of a problem is it?
1: Well, this is, again, a very, very tough issue because a lot of the inflation has nothing to do with how strong the economy is. So we've seen a worldwide run up in oil prices, also some other commodities, wheat, corn, a number of other commodities, very little to do with the level of economic activity here, very little the Fed could do about it, prices determined in the world market. Clearly, the biggest factor here is the war in Ukraine, because we know that Russia is a major oil exporter. There's certainly concern that Russian oil will be withdrawn from world markets or some portion of it. I should point out to date, very little actually has been, but there's certainly fears that more could be at some point, and that could mean very serious shortages of oil. Similar story with with grains. Uh, Ukraine's a major grain exporter, as is Russia. And if a large amount of grain from Ukraine and Russia is withdrawn from world markets, that, too, would push prices through the roof. So those are big factors pushing up inflation. And we also had disruptions in the supply chain because people were sick with COVID. You had shutdowns in China and other major major exporters. So we had shortages of all these various items. So that pushed inflation higher. So those are two big factors pushing inflation higher. Very little the Fed could do about that.
0: As we know, the Fed has already started raising interest rates, and we are, have already seen some of the downstream effects of that that you were talking about. Mortgage rates are up and, you know, a building has already started slowing down a little bit. Um, but I guess my question is, is it helping with inflation, which is the reason that the Fed is raising interest rates in the first place?
1: I think it is and where it's had the the biggest effect is in the housing market and i've been very struck by this so the fed to date actually hasn't raised interest rates that much only about a, a percentage point but the mortgage interest rate has risen we're under three percent if you go back to the summer 221 and i haven't seen the latest numbers but we have been around 5.3 5.4 and there's a lot of people believe it's about to go considerably higher And that's had a huge impact on the housing market. Now, at this point, a lot of this is anecdotal. But the one thing we can point to is that if you look at purchase mortgage applications, that's down about 15% year over year. So that means people looking to get a mortgage to purchase a house, that's down 15%. That's a very big year over year fall off. And the anecdotal evidence that you hear from realtors is if you go back, say, to the winter, Every house that came on the market almost immediately had two, three, four above listing offers. Today, you're seeing price reductions. People can't sell at their listed price. So it seems like that's really taken the air out of the market. And that's a market where prices went up 30% over the last two years. That's nationally. So in many places, it's gone up 35%, 40%. That was important to stop, and I think they did that, and that's a really, really important thing. You did not want to see house prices keep rising like that. But I expect the reduction in home purchases to have an impact on rents, not this month or next month, but almost certainly by the end of the year. So that's a place where it will have an impact on inflation, Other places, I don't think it's had much impact on inflation, and that's because so much of the inflation is due to factors that really are beyond the Fed's control. So oil prices going up, what's the Fed going to do to lower oil prices? So that's, again, one reason why I'm concerned that the Fed could go too far in raising rates because so much of the inflation is due to factors that the Fed really has no control of, and it, it can't really in any big way do something about the inflation and gas prices
0: one other big concern that I've heard about from a lot of economists recently is that the world economy could be heading towards stagflation. I wonder if you could explain what is stagflation, how is it different from a recession, and why are some economists worried about it?
1: Stagflation was the story conventionally used to describe the 1970s. So it was a period where we both had high inflation and very low economic growth. So in many ways, it was kind of the worst of both worlds. So that's the bad story that everyone's worried about. I'm more optimistic on this. I think part of the story in in the 1970s was, as now, we had this huge surge in oil prices. We didn't have solar energy. We didn't have wind energy. Um, I understand it takes a while to build those and those get up to speed. But that was a whole decade. So if we continue to see high oil prices, and I'd be surprised if we do, but if we continue to, that's going to accelerate the shift to other types of energy. And that was not an option in the 1970s. Also, we had a slowdown in productivity growth. This is a really, really big deal. We had rapid productivity growth for more than a quarter century following World War II. So productivity was increasing about 2.5% a year till 1973. One of the things that happened in the 1970s was productivity growth collapsed. It fell to about 1% a year. So what that meant was workers could only get very modest pay increases. Otherwise, it would be inflationary. We actually had slow productivity growth going into the pandemic. It has more recently picked up. And I'm always hesitant because predicting productivity growth is very hard. I can't do it any better than anyone else. But it actually picked up in the pandemic to about 2.5%. It's an astonishing fact of the pandemic that output from the US economy has now topped the level from before the pandemic. But we did it with 8 million fewer workers. It's a result of booming productivity that several economists think is gonna outlast the pandemic. Now, if that continues, that will mean that workers could again have good wage increases without us seeing inflation. I think there's lots of reasons for thinking that we're in an era of faster productivity growth. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about crazy high rates of productivity growth, just say two and a half percent a year, what we had from the late 40s until the early 70s. And we saw that again, 1995 to 2005. So if we see this uptick in productivity growth sustained, we won't have to worry about stagflation.
0: After the break, Is this cycle of recession after recession inevitable, or is there a way out? We'll be right back.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Plus Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/podcast. That's m o n a r c h money.com/podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com/podcast
0: So the last recession was just a couple of years ago, right, at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was brief, as you said, productivity growth has picked up and there are many ways in which we have recovered. What happened during that brief recession and what were the consequences?
1: What we had was the government you know, basically deliberately got businesses to shut down i mean this is an ancient history so most of us remember it but sometimes the the writing about it like oh well that was really bad mistake we shut down the economy we slowed the growth and that was that was huge large sections of the economy were quite literally shut down so we saw the unemployment rate go to 20 percent because people couldn't work we shut down businesses now we supported people and that was a great policy it was bipartisan give people credit where it's deserved that we had the CARES Act that gave people at that time $1,200. We had the unemployment benefits supplements of $600. We extended unemployment benefits to people who wouldn't previously get it, so like gig workers could get it. So the idea was they tried to keep people whole, make sure they could maintain their standard of living more or less, even as millions of people, tens of millions of people were thrown out of work. That lasted for two, three months, the period of shutdown. And then we were gradually reopening and people started to go back to work in very large numbers. President Biden came into office in January of 21, and he came out with his recovery plan, which is a very large stimulus, $1.9 trillion, And that really kick-started the economy. So we managed to recover very quickly from a really deep recession. It was a short one, but very, very
0: deep. So for people who are worried about another recession... Is there anything that they can do to prepare? like <laughs> what um what should we be doing if if we are seeing indicators that say we are heading for another recession and feeling anxious about that?
1: Well, uh, I can't give anyone really great advice on. That. I mean, some people are in jobs that are much more vulnerable to recession. I mean, it tends to be the case, and this is again one of the reasons why I and many others. Think that recessions are so horrible? They don't hit everyone equally. Doctors are not going to lose their jobs in a recession. There'll be very few doctors out of work. People working in factory jobs, retail workers, um, restaurant workers—these Th- are people that tend to lose their jobs in a recession. You could tell people you don't want to suddenly go out and make a big commitment if you're uh, if you're in one of these lower-paying jobs. You know, it might not be a good idea to get a new car where you're going to be uh, have have large payments every month. Might be a good idea to put that off so where you could get a clear view of the economy. Same thing with buying a house. You don't want to be stuck with a big mortgage and then find out you lost your job. Um, I don't want to scare people, though. I mean, we have to see how things pan out. Again, if you asked me to place a bet, yes or no, will we have a recession? I'd still be on the no side.
0: And hearing about just like all of the terrible things that can happen to people in the event of a recession, is this inevitable? Like, can we avoid it? or is this just the necessary cure for inflation to raise interest rates and and, you know, make choices that will result in this human suffering?
1: My view is that since this inflation really isn't rooted in the classic story of too much demand in the economy leading to a labor market that's too tight, causing excessive wage growth, I don't think a recession is necessary. So that's why, I'm very concerned that the Fed is basically needlessly going too far. Not to say they have, but they could. They could in the future. So I think the modest rate increases they've had to date have been fine. Some further rate hikes are probably appropriate. But trying to emulate Paul Volcker in the late 70s and early 80s, I think, would be a very bad mistake.
0: Could you just quickly remind us who was Paul Volcker and why does his name come up when we talk about inflation and the possible cure for it?
1: Paul Volcker was the federal reserve board chair at the end of the 1970s through to, I believe it was 87. So he was originally appointed by Jimmy Carter. Paul Volcker was put in quite explicitly with the idea he's going to come in there and tackle inflation and Volcker sent interest rates very high and he gave us a a double digit uh, uh, unemployment and it peaked over 10%, um, but it did bring inflation down. So he's widely touted among economists for having put an end to the inflation in the 1970s. Again, I'm not among the cheerleaders on Volcker. I think that was enormously costly. I think inflation likely would have come down anyhow, not as quickly, but would have come down anyhow. But in any case, he's he's kind of the classic inflation fighter, and that's what he's known for. And I should point out, uh, Jerome Powell has <laughs> in recent weeks made a big point of praising Paul Volcker, which uh, does scare me because I certainly don't want him to emulate uh, Volcker in, in his policy moves.
0: So it seems like what you're saying is we shouldn't just do a big one-size-fits-all approach when we actually can identify a lot of where this inflation is coming from and a lot of places in which it will or already has resolved itself.
1: Exactly. And again, looking to the classic story, you know, the 1970s, higher wages, higher prices, higher wages, higher prices. We aren't seeing that. Wage growth has slowed sharply. So I like to look at the rate of wage growth this three months compared to the prior three, that's 4.4%. That's somewhat higher than we had before the pandemic. It was about 3.4%, but that's not hugely higher. And more importantly, the direction has been downward. So if you go back to the fall, that rate of wage growth was over 6%. So we've seen a rapid slowing in wage growth, the exact opposite of a wage price spiral. So I think we'd be looking very much, the Fed would be looking very much to the wrong medicine if they say, oh, we have to, raise interest rates, raise the unemployment rate, weaken the labor market to slow wage growth. It's already slowing.
0: Just thinking back on my own adult life, um, I'm a millennial. I became an adult during the Great Recession. I lived through, you know, another recession since then. And and we could be heading into a third recession. Um, And like on the one hand, you could argue that these events were sort of once in a lifetime we had. Uh, a once-in-a-lifetime, hopefully, global recession, and then a a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. But it is also starting to feel, I think, to a lot of my generation, like, is this just normal? Is this boom and bust cycle something that we're just going to have to go through? Um, Or, you know, is there any alternative?
1: You know, to my mind, the 2008-2009 recession was avoidable. We had a huge housing bubble that... The people in positions of responsibility in the bush administration at the fed they were applauding it. and to my view this was really wrong-headed i was saying this at the time this is not 2020 hindsight um and we paid a huge price for it because we had a really bad recession we recovered from it very slowly so is that inevitable well we could have had better policy and we would have prevented that bubble or at least prevented from growing as large as it did um, more recently the pandemics i think are unavoidable but hopefully far apart now What I will mention is something that we should be very mindful of because it's real and how bad the economic effects, we'll just have to see, but it's climate change. I mean, this isn't a secret and we're going to see large chunks of the country become less habitable, higher temperatures, droughts, uh, flooding in many low-lying areas. I mean, it's one thing to have a flood every 20 years. It's another to have it every year. Um, These are going to be really big problems. And I worry that Uh, we're not taking adequate steps to, to, to counter it.
0: Do you think part of the problem is that we are looking to the Fed to solve problems that they aren't necessarily best positioned to solve?
1: I think that's right. Basically, the Fed lowers inflation by raising unemployment and forcing workers to accept pay cuts. And if your source of your inflation is that oil prices have gone through the roof because of the war in Ukraine, uh, wheat prices have gone through the roof because of the war in Ukraine, um, the price of cars and a lot of other products went through the roof because of COVID related supply disruptions. That's a very indirect way of t- tackling those problems. So I think we, we should, the Fed plays a very important role. We need the Fed and, you know, we want them to keep an eye on inflation. but. Trying to reduce inflation from these supply-side shocks by raising the unemployment rate and forcing workers to take pay cuts, to my view, that's that's a very perverse way to go.
0: Dean Baker, thank you so much.
1: Thanks a lot for having me on.
0: Dean Baker is an economist and the co-founder of the Center for Economic Policy and Research. The Federal Reserve is meeting again this week to talk about how to battle inflation and how much to raise interest rates. They'll announce their decision on Wednesday, but the stock market is already reacting to fears that the Fed could be a lot more aggressive than they have been so far. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Arjun Singh and mixed by Sean Carter. It was edited by Rena Flores. I'm Maggie Penman. Martine Powers will be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.